Welcome to the Mount Olive Baptist Church podcast. I'm Pastor Carl Stokes. We appreciate you being here today with us. Our desire is to preach the Word of God effectively and clearly so that you can understand God's desire for you in your life. We are still in the midst of the book of Revelation, and uh, if you'll turn there with me uh, to the book of Revelation, and we are in the midst of the return of Jesus Christ, chapter 21, and uh, or chapter 19, excuse me, 19, and... Uh, Verse 17 is where we're at, and and boy, it's been so long since we have been in the study of uh, uh, the book of Revelation that it's kind of like we almost need a refresher course in, in getting back into it. When we left off, uh, kind of like those... <laughs> If you remember those old serials, uh, you know, we last saw our hero... Uh, uh, the train was running towards uh, Miss Pretty or whatever. <laughs> whatever. Uh, when we last left off in our study of the book of Revelation, we saw that Jesus was on His way to return, and this was uh, Christ's uh, uh, triumphal return, uh, and more so than uh, when He was uh, in the flesh here uh, and entering into Jerusalem. This is uh, Christ's return as prophesied in Psalms chapter 2 and Isaiah 66 and Joel 3 and Ezra 39. This is the great uh, triumphal return that all the Israelites anticipated or expected the first time that uh, Jesus, uh, that the Messiah was to come. Uh, they just had things kind of mixed up and uh, and kind of messed up. And so we see in verse 17, it says, And I saw an angel standing in the sun, and he cried with a loud voice, saying to all the fowls that fly in the midst of heaven, Come and gather yourselves together unto the supper of the great God, uh, that ye may eat the flesh of kings and the flesh of captains and the flesh of mighty men and the flesh of horses and of them that sit on them and the flesh of all men, both free and bond, both small and great. And I saw the beast and the king of the earth and their armies gathered together to make war against him that sat on the horse and against his army. And the beast was taken, and with him the false prophet uh, that wrought miracles before him, uh, and in which he uh, deceived them that had received the mark of the beast, and them that worshipped his uh, image. These both were cast uh, into the cast alive into the lake of fire, burning with brimstone. And the remnant were slain with the sword of him that sat upon the horse, which sword proceeded out of his mouth. And all the fowls were filled with their flesh. And so what we see is, is that Christ is returning. He's on uh, this great white stallion and he's returning with uh, the armies of heaven. And uh, as we talked about the last time, uh, this uh, great assembly of the armies of heaven 
they're not there to to wage war up against the forces of the world. The, uh, uh, if you'll recall, the beast and the uh, the false prophet, the antichrist, and all those who are uh, uh, on this earth trying to uh, take a rule and reign of the earth. Um, they are assembling a great uh, army to fight against Christ that is returning. And Christ returns and uh, he's got this great army uh, following him. And as we talked about before, this is uh, a symbol of the bridegroom coming with uh, the bride and is coming to present the bride and then to take the bride with him to uh, to. Uh, heaven uh, for the great uh, feast and this is the great presentation of uh, the bridegroom and the bridegroom is coming to exert his power and authority and his will over uh, all the earth and so Jesus Christ is returning and he is bringing uh, the great verdict of God upon uh, sin and against uh, uh, all of uh, the creation that is fought against him and and we 've been looking throughout all of this all of this time uh, we have been looking at uh, how the earth uh, the forces of of Satan have basically uh, rejected God time and again mankind has has seen uh, the power and the might of God, the judgment of God unleashed upon the earth. And over and over and over again, rather than turning to God, rather than uh, accepting uh, this uh, as a sign of God's power and dominion, uh, they have uh, constantly been pushing away against God. And uh, we don't have time tonight to really look at uh, all of this. Uh, and I mentioned here a moment ago, if you want to jot these down, uh, these references, the prophecy of Christ's return that is seen here in Revelation is found in Psalms chapter 2, Isaiah 66, verse 15 and following, Joel chapter 3, verse 12, and Ezra 39, verse 1, and then in verse 17. And God brings about His verdict, and we see it also in the New Testament. We see 2 Thessalonians chapter 1 and Jude 14 and 15 and Matthew 24 and 25. This is the uh, judgment of God against uh, all of creation that has fought against Him. This is the end time judgment. This is the, the Messiah that, that the Israelites always anticipated and desired and expected the Messiah to be, the one who would come in victory. And they always remember, if you will, saw the Messiah as the one who would come and lay waste to all those who opposed Israel because they felt as though uh, because they were God's elect people and God's chosen race and people that they were special and that God was going to come and and provide a Messiah that would uh, basically uh, defeat all the enemies of Israel, uh, predominantly anyone who had been working against Israel to take them into captivity, to take them into bondage and slavery. Uh, basically, anyone that was around Israel that gave them problems, they wanted defeated. And they always saw as the great Satan. And that changed from time to time. You know, uh, Throughout uh, uh, a lot of the early history of Israel, it was the Babylonians. And then it was the Philistines and the Syrians. And, and you recall that in the book of Judges, in 1 Samuel, 
you see uh, the series of judges that uh, that did bring judgment upon those who opposed Israel, and and they uh, saw these judges as a form of Messiah. And if you have to remember that the word that's translated as Messiah in the New Testament is uh, basically the similar to or almost the same word as God's anointed is used in the Old Testament, which was used many times for a king. And remember, at the time of the judgment, uh, uh, judges there were no ki- there was no king. There was God's anointed that would uh, was anointed of God to be a judge in order to bring uh, peace and and uh, harmony to the land that was to going to destroy all of the uh, those that opposed and and so they had that kind of similar image of uh, of the the judge from the the, the judge judges period in uh, in the time right before. Uh, God allowed them to have a king, and then uh, King Saul was not really that kind of judge. He was initially and brought some temporary victory against the Philistines. And then uh, we see quickly as his heart turned away from God uh, that God placed his, the mantle upon David, and David took up that mantle and began to uh, to uh, destroy all the enemies of, of Israel around him. And they saw... Uh, the Messiah as the descendant of David because David did a lot of the things that they saw the Messiah doing in the history of Israel of coming uh, uh, once again to Israel and making Israel a dominant nation. They wanted to return to a time like under King Solomon that they had uh, such victory over all their enemies that they all were subservient and paying tribute and and, uh, the golden age of Israel under Solomon they expected the Messiah to be the same. And of course, Jesus came not in that form, not in that uh, aspect. He came instead as uh, the suffering servant. He came as uh, the, the Lamb of God to be slain and to be slaughtered for their the forgiveness of their sins. And, and so we see a, 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 such a different uh, reality of what the Messiah was and so now as Jesus returns, He's coming in the way in which they expected Him to come at the first time. And, and uh, no doubt there will be many Jews who see the return of Christ coming at this time in the time of, the, of Revelation, the time of the uh, tribulation as being... The, they're ready to accept Him as Messiah because He comes in the way in which they expected Him to come for so long. But their hearts, uh, many of them will have their hearts uh, uh, turned to stone. They'll, they'll be hardened towards God. And this is uh, not uh, uh, what uh, will turn them to Christ in spite of all the fact that He comes in the way in which they expected. But this is Jesus Christ coming in judgment. This is the execution uh, preparing for the judgment in chapter 20, verse 11, where, which is the great, great white throne judgment, which will be the judgment of all those who uh, are without Christ and all those who are against Christ. So what we see is uh, a... Uh, uh, announcement of the call for the great supper of God. In Matthew chapter 25, we see the uh, the sermon on Mount Olivet, and we see the setting of the judgment in verse 31 of being in this great valley of 
all those uh, of all the nations in verse 32 who would uh, be part of this great judgment, all the peoples of, of the earth that remain. In verse 32 and 33, we see the separation of uh, the uh, sheep from the goats, and we see the separation of those who uh, had accepted Christ and those who had not accepted Christ. And, and we see uh, all of that in this uh, Matthew chapter 25. And it is uh, a picture of the tribulation that we see in verse 35 and 36 of of all the uh, judgment that is coming and then the execution of that judgment in verses 41 through 45. It's all the same as what we see here in chapter 19 of the book of Revelation. And we see also that uh, this is... Um, uh, a, uh, a revisiting of the judgment that we saw in Revelation chapter 16 verse 13 in which the demons come out of the great pit and they go out to collect the nations for the final battle and they bring in all the nations that have opposed uh, God and have uh, have turn their hearts away from God and instead uh, following the Antichrist. And we see in verse 15 of chapter 16 that Jesus comes suddenly, terrifyingly, and as uh, uh, with uh, uh, devastation, uh, like a thief in the night, uh, a thief in the night, the Bible says. And so we see uh, the great supper of God, stand, uh, Jesus Christ standing in the sun, um, uh, this uh, image of the angel standing before the sun. Now, uh, many people say, well, how in the world are we going to see an angel that's standing on the sun? Most likely what is happening is, is that the, st the angel is standing between the sun and the earth. Uh, very similar to like uh, uh, when the moon uh, uh, eclipses the sun uh, and it makes it look like the moon is, is filling the whole sun uh, when the moon is very much smaller than the sun. and uh, So we see an angel that is most likely standing in front of the sun, blocking the light like an eclipse. And the angel cries out. Uh, and when we see the angel crying out here, this is uh, just one of many times in which uh, the angel of God, an angel of God, cries out in the book of Revelation. We see in chapter 7 and chapter 10 and chapter 14 and chapter 18 many times in which an angel cries out to those who are there, uh, left on the earth. And this is a great announcement and uh, that, that the angel is declaring each of these times. And, and here in chapter 19, the angel is declaring a judgment upon the earth, a judgment upon those who are left and remain. And what is the judgment? He's calling out all the birds. And this perplexes a lot of people until... Uh, uh, some some study is done about this kind of thing, but what the angel is doing is he's calling all the birds of the earth that remain to come uh, into this one location because there is about to be a great many of, of soldiers that are about to be destroyed and killed uh, that they are to pluck. And it says here in Revelation that uh, kings and princes and captains and, uh, and generals... And, and so what we have here is that no one is spared. Everyone that is coming up against... Uh, the forces of Jesus Christ is uh, to be seen as uh, food for these uh, birds. And people naturally 
in studying this have, have wondered, well, how, how in the world is this possible? Of course, everybody wants to see something that is possible for, uh, for before they can believe the impossible. It's, it's strange how they look at things and they can't take it at face value. And some say, well, this no, this is symbolic, uh, uh, but... Uh, let me just share with you something uh, from the animal world that makes this very really possible for it to actually occur rather than being metaphorical. And that is, is that uh, uh, every year uh, there's a great migration of birds that happens from Europe all the way uh, uh, throughout this portion of the world. And because Israel is a land bridge that uh, provides a, a natural uh, uh, resting place for these birds as they migrate. Every year, uh, birds migrate in massive numbers. You might say, well, why is this the first time I've heard about this? It's not the first time you've heard of this. Go back to the book of Exodus, in which uh, the children of Israel are grumbling as they're going through the wilderness. And remember, they complained to Moses, you know, they, here's God throwing bread at their feet, and all they have to do is go out and collect the wafers in the morning, and they've got uh, bread to eat, uh, manna from heaven. It's like uh, golden wafers that they're, that they're collecting all these seeds that they're able to make into bread and grind it up into flour and make bread with it. Uh, God's provided them manna for, for a while and they're complaining to Moses. What do they complain about? Well, back there in Egypt, when we were, they don't think about the fact that they were slaves, but back then where we were in Egypt, what did they say? We had onions. And they had, we had fish, and we had all the leeks and all the things that were able to be in our pots. And they said, all we've got out here is this bread you keep throwing at us. And so what does God do? God gets upset with them and He says, okay, you're going to have so much meat that you're going to throw it up, basically, is what He says. And so God creates a situation in which all these birds come flying in and there's so many birds, remember, that they can go out there and collect all these birds and, and kill them and eat them. And, and while they're just gorging on these birds, the meat of the birds, God says uh, uh, His anger is, is, is kindled against them because they're ungrateful in spite of the fact that they're, that they're gorging themselves on the birds. Well, uh, this is a part of that migration. This is the reason why... There was God was able to direct all these birds there for them to capture and, and to be able to eat was because of this natural migration of birds that happens. And in fact, if you will, uh, even to this day, uh, research on the Internet if you want to. Uh, uh, for many years, uh, planes flying into Jerusalem and Tel Aviv uh, were constantly being struck by birds during this migration period until they were able to uh, to install measures that kept the birds clear of the airport area. And there were many uh, jet airplanes that were being, including the defensive force of planes that were used for the military for Israel, were being uh, downed by uh, bird strikes uh, because of this great number of birds. 
And so uh, it's natural for all these birds to come through in this migration, yearly migration. And many scholars believe that this is part of the birds that the angel is calling out. Now, okay, we have a natural res- uh, explanation for something that's happened in the Bible. Now for the supernatural explanation. Okay, if God is able to cause a star to fall from heaven and uh, kill uh, a fourth of all the inhabitants of the oceans, He's able to, uh, to cause all these disasters to come as part of the plagues of the uh, the outpouring of the the trumpets and the bowl uh, judgments and all those things. He's able to do all these things, to block out the sun, all these other different things. How difficult would it be for God to have His angel call for all the birds of the the earth to come and to, uh, to eat the flesh that would be remained at this great battle? In my book, not very difficult at all. Uh, so uh, there's the two sides of the explanation. You've got a natural explanation and a supernatural explanation. But the result is, is that there's going to be such a great massacre that the angel is calling for all the birds to come from all the nations, all the vultures, all the uh, 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 different birds of the, uh, that eat dead flesh to come. Uh, and it says in the Bible that uh, afterwards it takes seven months for them to bury all the bones of the dead. Um, uh, by the way, uh, this calling of birds is not new. Jesus uh, does this in Matthew 24, verses 27 through 28. We see it in Luke chapter 17, uh, talking about judgment that's coming. So this is not something new, but it was something that was part of um, of the judgment uh, proclamation throughout the history of Israel. So let's look at verse 18. It says in verse 18, after the calling out of the birds, it says... Uh, that ye eat the flesh of kings and the flesh of captains and the flesh of mighty men and the flesh of them uh, that sit on, uh, on the horses. And this, these are not my glasses. So. Uh, and of them that sit on the, of the horses and of them that sit on them and the flesh of all men, both free and bond, both small and great. And so what we see is, is that everyone will be included in the destruction. Zephaniah describes a day of, of destruction uh, in which there's darkness and gloom and a thick cloud. Uh, blood, blood pours out like dust uh, on their flesh, uh, like the dung. Uh, neither, sil- uh, let's see, no, neither silver or gold will be able to deliver them, meaning no matter... Uh, no matter no amount of great wealth would be able to prevent this great judgment. Uh, and so we see this great outpouring of the judgment, not just on the foot soldier, not just on the common man, but upon everyone, no matter what their station in life, no matter who they are. And then we see the conquest accomplished. Um, the beast and the Antichrist uh, uh, from... Uh, that has been uh, introduced back in chapter 11 and chapter 13. The world rulers, kings, uh, the ten kings over the regions uh, that we saw in chapter 17, all of them will be uh, thrown into uh, the lake of fire. Uh, Initially, though, the the beast and the false prophet are... are, uh, 
captured. Uh, and then in Revelation uh, uh, 13, verse 11 through 13, we see the description of the false prophet and we see him leading people in verses 16 and 17 to receive the mark of the beast. And uh, uh, we see all of this as uh, those who are uh uh, to receive judgment in verse chapter tw- uh, chapter 19 verse 20 it says all those that are with them those that have taken the beast all those that have seen the miracles and believes the antichrist the po- which is the political leader leader the false prophet which is the spiritual leader all of them are uh, thrown into the lake of fire and this is separation from god now this is different from Hades. Now, Hades was uh, a place that was a temporary place. The lake of fire is an eternal place. Uh, uh, Revelation 20 verse 10 says uh, that uh, uh, the, the Antichrist and the false prophet, the beast, will be thrown into the lake of fire for a thousand, uh, during the thousand year reign. And uh, uh, we also see from Revelation chapter 15 that those who are not in the book of life will be added as well. Um, And Isaiah chapter 66 says that this is an eternal fire. In verse 21 of chapter 19, we see the rest of the armies killed uh, by uh, a single word from Jesus Christ. That's why I say that the, the armies that are following after Christ are not there to wage battle. They are the witnesses. And who is this great army of people that are following after uh, Jesus? I happen to believe that this is all. these are all the saints that have died and gone on before us uh, that are returning with Jesus Christ. All those who have died in Christ already uh, are with Him. They are part of the wedding party that is coming to witness uh, the great judgment of, of the, uh, the uh, uh, of Jesus Christ, the bridegroom upon the sinners of the earth, upon those who are uh, rejecting Christ. Uh, Zechariah chapter 14 verse 3 says that people will flee uh, and uh, it, it says here that uh, now we have a great uh, change in the topography of the world uh, in that uh, uh, the mountains will be leveled, the valleys will be raised, um, the birds will eat upon all those who mocked uh, and, and ridiculed and uh, said all kinds of bad things about uh, uh, Jesus Christ and about those who uh, sought to... Uh, to reject Christ and we see at the end that their judgment comes and that they are all thrown into the lake of fire. Verse 21 says, And the remnant were slain with the sword of him that sat upon the horse uh, which sword proceeded out of his mouth and all the fowls were filled with their flesh. Jesus Christ uh, lays waste to the armies of the world not with military might, not with bullets, not with missiles, but simply by His Word. And uh, this is taking the same uh, uh, creation power of Jesus Christ uh, who in, in John chapter 1 uh, spoke into existence all the creation of the world. And Jesus Christ who uh, was there at the creation and who uh, created the earth uh, with God the Father. We see in the day of the Lord 
that he is bringing about the destruction of those who oppose Jesus, uh, oppose God with a single word, with the word that comes from his mouth. That is uh, what the sword that comes from his mouth means. It's not that he's performing some kind of magic trick like a magician would cause a, a spoon to come out of his mouth. He's, Jesus is not ma- making a magical sword come out of his mouth. No, what it means there is by he's saying that the sword that proceeds from his mouth, his simple word, simply the word of the power and the might uh, of and the authority of Jesus Christ causing all those who oppose him to be devastated and be destroyed. And we see this as the great judgment. So in chapter 20, we come to uh, a new scene in which we'll get into following this great judgment that has befallen the earth. And we see a great uh, uh, time of restoration and a time of of uh, great victory with Jesus Christ. But we'll get into that the next time and we'll explore that more uh, as we continue to study. And this is all pointing to the great day of the judgment of the Lord that was pro- uh, proclaimed by, in Second Peter uh, that, that this day would come. And this is the day in which uh, we see uh, the great mighty hand of God move to destroy and eliminate uh, evil upon the earth, eliminate the taint of sin, the elimination of the effects of sin. And what we'll see is, is that eventually that will lead to a new heaven and new earth and a, an eternity uh, in which we spend with, uh, with God in heaven uh, that we will be able to rejoice at the fact that we no longer are under the influence of sin because of this great judgment that is portrayed here in chapter 19. And what a great day it is. Let's join together for prayer. Dear Gracious Father, Lord, we thank You and praise You for uh, not a, a, a gruesome, devastating scene, but a, rather a scene of Your judgment uh, taking uh, rule and reign upon the earth, establishing uh, Your authority, establishing Your uh, righteousness, and removing the taint of sin upon the, of mankind and upon this earth. Lord, we yearn for that day, that day in which You uh, will be victorious and that You will return. Lord, we look forward to that day. We pray, Lord, that You'd help us to be uh, forever uh, diligent to work in the field of harvest that we might bring others to know Jesus Christ because that day of judgment is coming when it will be too late and which they will no longer have the opportunity to accept you as Lord and Savior. Lord, until that day, help us to be forever diligent, forever working to, uh, to reach lost souls, to share the gospel, allow your spirit to work in and through us to lead people to Christ. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.